0: This concept of career design, of not just looking for a job, but designing your future, and also to
1: think through the kind of impact you want to have. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Jobs with Jody podcast, a production of NPCA's Global Reentry Program serving returned Peace Corps volunteers worldwide. I'm your host, Jody Hammer, Career Services Specialist with NPCA's Global Reentry Program. Today's episode is going to be dedicated to our monthly Ask the Career Coach job search Q&A, featuring our very favorite Dr. Rhonda Anstead in conversation with me, answering your questions, your career and job search inquiries, all of those great topics that you've been wanting to ask. So my guest Rhonda is no stranger to Peace Corps, certainly. Uh, not only is she an RPCV from South Africa, she's a staunch advocate for Peace Corps and has really dedicated herself to assisting RPCDs and others in, you know, making, making the world a better place and finding fulfillment in, in their careers. And so she's worked with us as a career coach and consultant on many of our initiatives, including our popular job search boot camps, and you'll hear more about that in a little bit. So welcome, Rhonda, and thanks so much for being here with us today. It's always great to have you back.
0: Oh, it's fabulous to be here. Always look forward to these podcasts
1: and looking forward to seeing what um, what questions come up today. Wonderful. Well, great. We uh, we always encourage questions from our live audience. So, you know, please plan to participate actively and, and share your questions. You'll have the opportunity to ask those as well. So let's go ahead and, and get started. Uh, Rhonda, one of the things... I wanted to really have you spend a little more time on talking about, you know, one of the things that you've been working with us over, you know, the last two quarters has been the job search boot camp and most recently the mid-career relaunch boot camp, which have been so popular and really effective courses that have walked people through the job search process using your targeted career design studio. Uh, tool that you developed and coincidentally offer to all RPCVs free for four months. So, can you just take a few minutes to introduce people a bit more to how the bootcamp works and what it's based on? Sure.
0: And um, yeah, as as you know, Jody, these um, these boot camps are really designed to help um, our NPCA members to identify the kinds of jobs that are a good fit for them and then figuring out how to actually get those jobs. And so it really is based on some you know, kind of best practices in the career development field, um, but also just what I've learned from, especially working with people in the social impact fields, the people who want to make the world a better place um, often we and i say we because i'm i'm definitely one of those people we will focus so much on the cause that we don't take time to think about well what do we want to be doing on a day-to-day basis and so this concept of career design of not just looking for a job but designing your future and also to think through the kind of impact you want to have Um, for so many RPCVs, um, just doing a job to pay the bills is not enough. And research shows that that's true for majority of people that we are happier and healthier when we feel like our jobs have meaning. And that meaning is specific to each person. So one of the things that I think is really important and that I designed my career design studio to work with is to, um, to help you uncover your own definition of success, of fulfillment, of meaning, of joy, and, um, and to take what we know from like positive psychology research to understand how we can thrive in our jobs and not sure. just make it through from week to week. And so My Career Design Studio is an online tool that kind of um, breaks down the career coaching process into little mini bite sized activities. So some of them are career assessments. Some of them are kind of like, you know, here are some possible strengths that might apply to you. Choose the ones that you resonate with the most. Some of them are visioning activities. Um, you know, what, what are the things that you want to accomplish in the next five, 10, 15 years? And then a lot of the, the rest of it is then how to craft a compelling future for yourself and then figure out how you're going to get there. And so that's what my career design studio does. And that's what these boot camps really do is to walk you through that process, to start with some self-knowledge and reflection. What are your goals? Now, how are we going to help you achieve your career goals?
1: That is great. Thank you. Thank you so much for for sharing that with us. And I just, I have really enjoyed learning more about Career Design Studio. And and I've gotten such great feedback from clients, right, who have been in the program and have been using it and just how helpful it is and, you know, and, and getting on your, what is it, your Facebook group page or your, you know, where they get the tidbit, you know, reminder kind of messages to help keep motivated and just very inspirational. So I I just feel like we're very lucky to have you here. And I'm so glad you've, you've become a a part of this and, and really, you know, shared this with, um, with our community. I think it's made a huge difference, you know, anytime, but especially in the, you know, wake of COVID this last, you know, these last, what now we're at 14 months, crazy, 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 crazy. I mean, I remember the year mark, and it was like, yeah, who would have thought? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and that actually brings me to some of the first questions that that I had for you that I'd collected from uh, from clients and such, and uh, you know everyone's obviously very anxious to move beyond COVID, right? We are, you know, so excited about the possibility and kind of seeing hope and seeing that, you know, maybe in the distance, right? You know, that it's actually going to, you know, be at a point where we can actually, you know, kind of at least leave some of those barriers down. But some of the questions that have been coming in are, you know, related to kind of preparing and moving forward post-COVID. So, I guess, you know, one of, the, one of the questions was, you know, from, from folks, you know, what, what guidance do you um, give your clients who have been negatively impacted or maybe shut out altogether from, you know, the job market due to COVID? There are a lot of people who lost their jobs, right? And of course, all the evacuees who lost their jobs too, in essence, and, you know, had to come back here and deal with this whole, you know, craziness. Uh, what guidance do you give people, you know, who, you know, as they've, you know, they're coming from this space of, you know, uh, it's been really tough, you know, what, what, what do you suggest?
0: Yeah, I think that, um, that part of, part of the challenge of living through a pandemic, you know, even if you never get sick, is really the uncertainty. Right. So part of, what is really important is to create touchstones for yourself. So that, um, you know, whether that's people in your life that you stay connected with, whether that's routines. Um, and, and the challenge, because you know, we're at a place, the United States is at a place where, um, where vaccinations are happening, the um, you know, we certainly have dramatically decreased the um, amount of cases that we're seeing in the United States. Employers are starting to hire more and, um, and starting to feel a little bit more optimistic. And then we look in other parts of the world and, um, and that is not happening. And so I've just felt heartbroken reading some of the things that, that are happening in India And I think one of the things that RPCVs know better than anybody else in the United States, blanket generalization, but is how interconnected the world is. Absolutely. That what is happening in India is not going to stay in India. And Mm -hmm. so I think it's really important for us to prepare for things remaining uncertain. And it sucks. (laughs) This is not the advice that I want to be giving. Um, but I also think that by managing our expectations, realizing that things are going to get better, but it's still going to be unpredictable for a while, can help us not feel crazy when, <laughs> when we feel like we're going crazy. Um, exactly. I just read a really interesting article on um, how, I think it's either Norway or Finland is like the happiest country in the world. And, um, and the citizens are like, what, us, really? Like, we're not blissed out or anything. And the, um, the analysis that was given is that this country had a culture of um, keeping expectations low and realizing that <laughs> life was hard. And that by understanding that process, um, that they had better health outcomes, they have stronger communities. I mean, there's all these different indicators of happiness rather than a feeling of joy or bliss that this country um, has because they they don't have unrealistic expectations of what life should be. So, gotcha. um, so that's one of the things. Um, another is to... Um, is to be creative and to think through what are some sideway paths that I can take that are still helping me to get what I want. And so, for example, one of my clients um, is an RPCV and has gotten out of development and is wanting to get back into it. And she made that decision right at the beginning of the pandemic. And this is when, you know, everything came back home. And so there's not a lot of hiring happening here. And, um, and so she's been doing some um, sports coaching on the side just to make ends meet, but she really loves it. And then she realized that this particular sport has foundations all over the world. So now she is starting to move into, well, why don't I just kind of, specialize in this sport, but then to set me up for an international job, but not through USAID or Comonix or some of the organizations in Washington, D.C., but taking this very unusual path to, um, to do the kind of work she wants to do. And so I think that in some ways, limitations are a great um, opportunity and situation to get creative um, because you got right. to something work when you can't do the normal things that you would have done otherwise. So lean into that would be my other my other um, piece of advice there.
1: Great. Thank you so much. Question that we have um, from the audience that is about uh it's about with covid time like in in covid times um do you think somebody who's struggling to find a comparable job you know they're they've they've lost their job right and they're having a hard time finding the comparable job but should they just take anything like a lower level to, to reduce the job gap you know over this time period or should they hold out Assuming their economics can handle it, right? I mean, it's a whole other question if you're like having to pay the rent for next month and you don't know where it's coming from. Um, but what are your tips on that? What recommendation would you have for that client?
0: Well, I think that it's really important to focus in on what are your your ultimate goals, and um, and to to make some decisions because thinking about where you want to be even like a year from now or two years from now, can help you figure out what is going to best help me now to write that goal. And so obviously, um, I mean, so career gaps right now, I am not worried about. And Me
1: neither. I I tell clients, don't even worry about it. Everyone knows it's COVID.
0: Right. Exactly. As a pandemic, there are going to be career gaps and that it's got nothing to do with you or your competency. Um, And so, so I would, that's why I really encourage people to think about, you know, so if you're wanting to make a career transition, for example, you might want to um, do some volunteer work that give you the skills or that experience to make that transition. And so, um, so if your low, lower paying job gives you skills and experience that will help you later on, then I think that's a really smart choice. If it is a job that, um, that drains you, that you don't enjoy, where you're not well compensated um, and you're just doing it because to avoid a career gap, I don't think that's going to help you that much. And so so I think that, uh, again, every situation is different. Financial concerns are, you got to address that. Um, But don't make a rash decision just for your resume right now. And if you want to add things to your resume, then take some online classes. Again, you can do some virtual um, volunteer work. And um, so make your current decisions with your future in mind is what I'd recommend.
1: Great. Thank you so much. And I could not agree more in terms of just, you know, I mean, these times, COVID times that, you know, people, people are so sensitive oftentimes to any kind of a gap, you know, even in normal times, you know, they have a two month gap and they're worried about it. And it's just, not a big deal, right? Now, if you have, you know, gaps all over in your resume and you have, you know, short periods of time working and then long periods of time not, and then again, repeated, that can signal sometimes some bigger, um, bigger issues. So that's great. And uh, lastly, in, in this regard, uh, I, I did want to ask you just your pulse in general. I know you work with a lot of like international development clients and that kind of thing, but what are you hearing or, you know, what's your pulse on kind of, you know, the employment client uh, climate? Are, your, are some of your clients getting, you know, to get, starting to get more offers or at least interviews? You know, what are you hearing? So kind of that whole from the job seeker perspective, do you have any good news for yeah, us? I <laughs> do.
0: Yeah, I do. Yay. Good news. Um, and, and really, I think that, um, that a lo- my clients are finding jobs and my clients are finding good jobs. Go and ahead. so it really, it, you know, part of it is a testament to them because it does take work to do this. Um, but, but when you go through kind of the career design process that I mentioned where you know what you want, you can articulate your, your value, your skills, your fit then um, you're always going to be in demand um, for somewhere. And so I think that the United States, um, especially some of the, the policies and the legislation that has passed recently has allowed employers to start hiring again and start thinking about the other side of things. And so I think it's going to, again, be a little up and down, be unpredictable, but, um, but there is a lot of movement towards and, and a desire to get back to normal. And so I think that you know, keeping your ear to the ground and you know, paying attention to what's happening in, in the industry that you're most interested in So if that's international development, um, you might wanna read what's going on in um, devx.com. They've got, they do a lot of news and articles assessing the industry, Um, but anything else that where you're wanting to move into, um, do, do your research on that. And talk to people, talk to people who are doing the work and, um, right. and that's where you get kind of the real inside information, either on the industry or that specific organization. Cause some, some companies are just better than others. And, um, so you can always find people that are hiring. Um, so just continue to do all that good networking that Jody and I talk about all the time. <laughs> push push push. yep yep that's that's where that's where it's going to happen and especially right now so um there's any obstacles that you're facing about networking and doing that um you know we've got a lot of resources we talk about this all the time and you know and always happy to talk more right that's um those are the things to think about
1: yep and you know it's it's funny because we, we talk about networking all the time we had we actually have dedicated um, some of our past Ask the Career Coach podcasts to de- uh, networking, at least in part or fully. It's such a big concept and there's so much to share on it. And it is so important. Um, and it doesn't have to be that slimy, sleazy feeling, you know, like you're selling your soul. And that's what I think Rhonda and I come from the perspective of, you know, it can be seen, you know, more, you know, as Rhonda says, you know, um, as community building. And really, you're just you're building your alliance is what I oftentimes say of people who, you know, and who know you, who, you know, just more people can keep their ears open and can can help in those kinds of things. So that's great. So, uh Rhonda, one of the uh, you know we we always get some questions uh, you know, uh, from folks who are maybe um, you know they're they're mid career professionals, right and and mm-hmm. so they're you know worried about competing with some of the younger you know, uh, what it, folks, and and oftentimes they're not recognizing the value that they bring, right? You know, you're a seasoned professional, you bring a lot of things, right, um, that others don't, don't have. But um, one of the questions here is from somebody who's saying, you know, how do I, do you have particular advice? This is from Tammy, who is asking if, if you have particular advice for folks in their 50s, and competing in a job market with younger people, people and having a supervisor who's younger. What tips or advice would you have for, for Tammy?
0: Well, I think that a lot of this kind of goes back to um, knowing your value. And so Jody mentioned you are a seasoned professional. You've got skills that only come with experience. And, um, and so it, a little bit of this depends on the um the jobs in the industry like there's always going to be some jobs that kind of skew young so if you are looking to be like um a social media content producer um for example yeah it's going to be a little challenging competing with people who who like you know <laughs> were doing that since they lost their baby teeth <laughs> Um, digital natives. There we go. Um, And so, so in those kinds of situations, then you want to um, have a portfolio. You want to show what you can do. And, um, and you also want to know what is unique about you. What do you offer that, um, that other people, that other people don't, regardless of their age. And so, For example, um, I think that the older we get, the more we understand um, kind of some of the complexities around communication, internal politics. Um, And so so even though digital natives might be able to work the tools better, you might be a lot better with the messaging and the content. And so, so now when you're talking about working with a supervisor that's that's younger than you. I think so much of that really can be so specific. It really depends on the person. Um, some young supervisors can feel insecure and they feel like they have to prove themselves. And, um, and so if you're working with someone like that, then they might find you a little bit threatening and intimidating if you are coming um, that you will make them look incompetent, for example. And so I think that the advice with working with younger supervisors in some ways is similar to working with, with anybody is to realize you're all a part of a team. And the goal is to have the team succeed. And so, um, so pay attention to... Their own ways of working. Um, you know, if you're noticing that there's some insecurity, then again, we've got a seasoned professionals have the experience and hopefully the wisdom to be able to say, All right, how can I assure this person that I'm not here to make him or her look bad or right. um, to take their job away from them, that I want to make a contribution to the team?
1: Exactly. And anything you can do to just, you know, somewhat, you know, overcome some of those stereotypes, right? In your own, you know, professional development, right? Take some of those extra courses, right? You know, to have those on your resume or so they don't assume, oh, this is somebody who won't know X, Y, Z, just doing some of everything you can to just show your, as as Rhonda said, your communication skills and some of that other, the, the art and science of, you know, customer relations when you're a seasoned professional, you, you know, you're, you're able to do that. And so um, work those as well. That's great. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, I do want to ask uh, another question that uh, came in from the audience here on uh, if, if my current job is toxic mm. and I've been building to leave it since 2013, mm. how important is it to make the next job, the perfect job, or is it okay Mm -hmm. to make it a transitional job? And I know you (laughs) are going to have a lot to say on this, because this is what speaks to your heart and soul. And when you're working with clients, so take it away.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And um, I think that Um, I, this is such a great question and, and I, one of the challenges of being in a toxic environment, especially for that length of time is that it does tend to warp our sense of self. It tends to, um, to really kind of crush our self-esteem and to think that I don't have any value because my boss hates me or, you know, I haven't gotten promoted or whatever it is. And so, so it's, it's useful, I think in those kinds of situations, it's almost crucial to have a transitional job because, um, and especially one that I, I agree. moving you toward what you want. You certainly want to make sure that you're to, moving towards something better, but so that you can find your equilibrium again, so that you can remember the value that you bring and, and the, um, and your, your sense of worth and, and often toxic situations are a matter of being in a job. That's a poor fit for you. So it's not exactly right. It's not so much that everyone's out to get you But that you are in a job where you're having to use all of your your weaknesses, your challenges on a day-to-day basis, and that you're kind of running really hard on that hamster wheel of going really fast and not feeling like you're getting anywhere. And so if you can start thinking in terms of reminding yourself of your strengths, what are you good at? And then getting into a job that allows those things to shine, that's a really good transitional job. Um, yeah. So Jody, what do, you, what do you think? I'd love to hear um, some of your, your thoughts and, and advice in this situation.
1: You know, unsurprisingly, it's very much on the same wavelength as what you're coming out with. I mean, I just, my heart goes out to anyone mm-hmm. who has been struggling with a toxic work environment at all. But since 2013, that yes. is a very long time to be in a position in, in, a, in an environment where it's a toxic work environment. And that's just, um, I think that's just, that, that's sad. And I'm glad that you're asking the question because I hope that you can really, you know, take the advice and, um, you know, make that, you know, move in that direction. And I absolutely agree. It does not have to be the perfect position. Number one, there's no perfect position, right? Exactly. As, as we say, there's really no perfect position. It's yeah. everything is going to have the pros and cons, but there's going to clearly be something where you're not going to describe it as a toxic work environment. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just, that drains you and that, that impacts your personal life and your personal well-being, and that is just as important as your professional, you know, uh, working environments. So I just, um, you know, I, I give you kudos for really, you know, saying it here and wanting to make the change and don't don't uh, just get something else that can, you know, potentially lead, you know, do some exploration, tap into Rhonda's free four months of the My Career Design Studio and really find, you know, you do these activities on kind of your experience, your, your personality, if you will, your style, and yeah. you can gain a lot of guidance on like what is the environment that's going to make you feel more comfortable and valued and able to affect change. So um, one, yeah. One thing that I just wanna to add to that is
0: um, is it also might be really helpful to um, think about jobs that will not drain you. And um, while you are searching for a job that is a good fit for you. So, um, so I mean, that's different for, for different kinds of people. But, um, but just anything that might, you know, that is not going to require you to necessarily be at your best. Again, so that you can kind of um, find, find your center and, um, and take the time to make a good decision next time. Because again, when we're making decisions to get out of a toxic environment, um, It's rare that we make good ones because it's done out of desperation rather than deliberation. So if you can find a job that at least gives you the room and the freedom to be deliberate about your next step, that can also be a really positive kind of um, decision to make.
1: Right. Absolutely. And yeah, it's, it's just, and sometimes you're in an environment where maybe it wasn't a toxic environment. It sounds like it became a toxic environment, maybe right since, you know, 19 yeah. you know, or 2013, maybe when you took the job, it was great. And then you got a new boss and boy, that yeah. can impact the entire yeah. dynamic of the team of you, of all of that. So, um, so great. So thank you so much um, for that insight as well. We're going to go ahead and take a very quick station break, and then come back and get into some of the coaching dialogues. So thanks everyone for being here. As a reminder, you're listening to Jobs with Jody, a podcast sponsored by the NPCA. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Rhonda Anstead, a fellow RPCD and career coach. We're answering your career and job search questions. We're going to now move into do something new for our podcast. We're going to do a few mini- coaching dialogues, and this is something that we have explored, um, we have utilized, Rhonda has utilized it a a great deal in our boot camps that she was explaining how they work, and it's been very popular among participants, and so I have some folks who've indicated, some of our audience members who've indicated they're interested in this, participating in this way, And so I am going to introduce our first audience member and I'm going to have them unmute themselves is Sam. And Sam is going to, you go ahead and take it away, Rhonda. You can, you can ask the first question and then uh, be in dialogue. Okay. Excellent. So Sam,
0: hello.
2: Hi, Rhonda. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. And I am curious to hear what's going on.
2: Um, well, I'm trying to change a little bit of what I, I do currently, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to weigh whether I um, go on with education, in other words, pursue a PhD, ah. Um, I am in my later 40s, and so I kind of feel like, you know, there's a lot of time that is required to save money, uh, apply to a program, actually get through the program, graduate. Um, It's a lot of work, and I have done um, well in my previous programs at the master's levels. I have two master's. And so I'm trying to decide if that's something that because I'm so interested in my field, if it's worth it to have that option to possibly teach at the university level, even okay. though I could see myself very happy staying within K-12 and just, um, you know, for lack of a better way to phrase it, just love being, love it up and being, by being in a, in a more uh, really advanced um educational program. So I'm just trying to make some of those decisions.
0: Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the, about the field that you're
2: in. So, so it sounds like you're in education. Is that right? That is correct. Yep. I'm in education and I am a Spanish teacher Uh and I have been teaching Spanish basically at the K-12 level uh, for probably about 15 years. And I have Um, actually in the Peace Corps, I taught biology as I have both a biology degree and a Spanish degree. So Mm -hmm. eventually I went back to school to get a license to teach Spanish. And then I also have a master's in in teaching. And then I I just recently acquired my um, second master's in Spanish.
0: Okay. And um, what do you love most about your current
2: job? I love the ability to be creative Mm
3: -hmm. and
2: design with my students on a daily basis. I love that autonomy and I love um, and this is where it gets tricky. I feel like uh, most of the time with autonomy, I can use the target language on a consistent basis. And yet that's where I have um, run into a lot of conflict. Uh, meaning it's not a supported approach in how I actually teach my content. And so um, I want to be in an environment where I can teach the target language and culture mm-hmm. and be able to use the target language, feeling supported from uh, within the, the staff and then also within um, the community, really, that I'm that I'm teaching
0: Mm, Okay. So you're bringing up some really good points and, and that's what I, I'm going to encourage you to focus on at the beginning uh, of making this decision is what do you want? What changes do you want to see? Um, so what I'm hearing from you is to have an opportunity to teach differently and to have support for the way that you're teaching. Correct. And um, what are some of the other things that you would like to have um, in your future, in your future career?
2: That is a super question. Um, I actually, it's a personal slash professional um, desire. And that is to feel uh, highly advanced, not just advanced, but highly Mm. advanced in my skill sets with the target language mm-hmm. and I actually um a bit of background really came into this career at way after college I did not go in to this career I was supposed to be a medical student and and go in that mm-hmm. direction yeah and so Acquiring a language, as you know, especially as you know, uh, return Peace Corps volunteers, takes a lot of time and and really yeah. complete immersion. And so, for me, I would love to be able to have that level of of language that just that I know, no matter who evaluates it or who perceives that level, that I feel a certain way about that level. So, for mm-hmm. me, you know, getting earning a PhD doesn't necessarily dictate that. And how? Yeah. However, um, if that particular opportunity could bring me back to a Spanish-speaking country uh, mm. to to allow that to to develop and flourish, yeah. then I would just feel so empowered seeking out that job that allows mm. me to just, you know, um, have my soul sing while I'm using that skill set on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. I love that
0: image of, yeah, um, having your soul sing. And Me too. That's yeah. powerful. Thank you. Yeah. And, and so what I want to recommend, I mean, again, it's getting that clarity of what's important for you, but then the why, right? Why do you want to learn? Why do you want to be advanced Spanish speaker? Um, and, and I think that there's actually, um, some complexity in your answer because some of it is just, I want to feel confident and I, you know, and, and when you're talking about having your soul sing, you know, I want you to think about when have you felt that in the past, what have been, what has brought that out in you in the past Mm -hmm. and mentioning, You know, being immersed in the language again, and so living in a Spanish speaking country. And, um, and so what it sounds like to me is that you've got these ideas of what's important to you and where you want to grow, not only professionally but personally and holistically as well. and. And what is important is to think about what is the most straightforward way to get you what you want. And so my general advice when we're talking about PhDs, because you mentioned a lot of, you know, like a lot of resources just getting into the program. And then that's like a four to eight plus year commitment Um, and you know, there's opportunity costs there. What could you be doing rather than getting your PhD? Um, and generally I recommend that people get PhDs if there is a job that a very clear end result, a job that they want, and there's no other way for them to get there.
1: Okay.
0: And, um, because otherwise it is such a huge investment And, um, now there is that sense of competence and status of, you know, of having a doctorate of going through all of that. Um, and I want to suggest that there's other ways that you can get that. And I want you to think about those. Okay. Um, and, um, And so, and I'm speaking of someone who did get a doctorate, did go back to school later in life in my, in my um, thirties and forties. And, um, and part of it was that I did, um, I love learning and I kind of, there's aspects about academia that I really love. And I did things with my doctorate that I would not have done on my own. And so in that respect, it was worth it, um, and and at the same time, um, the irony of PhDs is that it can make you less um, less employable for certain kinds of jobs. Exactly. So I, yeah, I, that's something really important to think about. And sometimes PhDs in certain kinds of jobs get paid less. Because they're seen as being out of touch with reality. They're too academic, too ivory
2: tower. Hmm. Interesting. Very helpful. Thank you.
0: Yeah. So um, so get clear about what you, you know, what you would want to be doing, say, 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. And then think through what is the most straightforward way
2: that I can make that happen. Interesting. So if I think out, if I am hearing you correctly, mm-hmm. really ten years, uh, fifteen years. What is it that would just make, like I said, my soul sing? And then from there, mm-hmm. how am I going to, right now, take the most direct path, right? To really get there
0: exactly, exactly. So, so some of the things that you know that I'm thinking of is like, how can we get you into a Spanish-speaking environment again? You know, an immersive environment again that doesn't even necessarily mean take, you know, going to a different country. There's plenty of, you know, communities in the United States that are, you know, 100% Spanish speaking, but, you know, again, just break down what is it that you want and how do you get those things individually and then collectively. And, um, And if PhD is the most direct way of doing that, then you have your answer. Okay. Um, and the reason why I gave you 10 years is because that's the minimum of, you know, not the minimum, but yeah, if you, to go through your PhD and get another job, that's the amount of time it would take approximately. Right. Um, I personally think that you can get, you get what you want much faster than that without
2: a PhD. Good to so know. Really helpful. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Great. Thank you to both of you for that. And I think we have time for one more mini coaching dialogue here. And uh, our next volunteer is Ronnie Mackey. Hi, Ronnie.
3: Good morning, Dr. Anston. How are you today?
0: I am fabulous. How are you?
3: Doing okay. Uh, Trying to to get all the loose ends tied up and and looking in anticipation of the COVID relief uh, initiative. So I'm excited about that.
0: Great, great. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about what's going on. What do you, what do you want some, um, some coaching advice on?
3: Well, currently, I mean, you and I have been working together for several weeks now, so you're very mm-hmm. familiar with my situation. Uh, the, the things that, that are coming to mind at this point is um, one of the values of the program that, that you've uh, you know, I have found with your program is that it's helped me to narrow down my focus a lot Mm-hmm. And understand uh just kind of what my motivators are yeah. and so one of the things that, that uh, uh has come out as a result of that program is is that the, in my mindset I'm very very uh, driven you know obviously that there's no question about that yeah. but then I'm also very mission oriented yeah and so being mission oriented being driven uh, you know there's that, that kind of limits the you know, the, the kinds of things that, that I would be, you know, good at and be interested in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, that being said, I also realized that, that uh, uh, you know, to be mission-oriented, to be driven, things like that, if, if you're looking for change, if you're looking to, to improve on a situation, things like that, it has to be more than just me driving it. It has to be somebody yeah. Where you know I I have the vision. The vision is there, but there's got to be other people who are part of that. Yeah. And so going forward, uh, trying to um, you know communicate that with with different people and trying to uh, get people to see the value of that mindset has been kind of challenging, especially in these days. Mm. So the question I have with you, and you know, of course, this will be a continuing. Uh, question as we go forward, and yeah. that the, the full breadth of that understanding is still yet to be uh, understood, is it that, you know, uh, as I go forward, what are your thoughts on that? You know, you know me probably as well as anyone at this point. Uh, what are your thoughts about that?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, as you were talking, um, you know, some of the ideas that that, you know, even before you said, you know, it's got to be done with other people. I was thinking, yeah, you, you know, we, we got to get you in the situation of like-minded individuals who, um, because you're, you're not the only person on this planet that has that kind of drive. And, um, and you know, that the thing that I really appreciate about you, Ronnie, and I've, you know, I've said this directly to you, but I think it's, it's useful in this conversation is just how you are one of those people where you see a problem, you see a challenge, and you will figure out a way to um, to you know to overcome that obstacle and to make things better for other people. And in some ways, for you, the bigger challenge, the better. And um, and so I think that part of this is to connect you, and for you to get connected with other people that are that are that type of, um, have that type of, of thought and energy. And, um, and so, so we've talked a little bit about identifying organizations because that's, that represents, um, you know, there's been at least a founder who has said, this is really important. This is so important that I want to create an organization around it. And then that founder has partnered and hired other people. And, um, and so, so, really taking a look at um, idealist.org can be a really good resource for just, you know, because that's pretty much a nonprofit and social enterprise database and it's international. Um, the other thing, I haven't looked into them recently, and Jody, I want to pull you in on this conversation as well, but I've been impressed by the work um, that's been done at Ashoka, and not just the organization. So Ashoka.org, um, they work with kind of, um, with change makers, that's what they call them. Yep. They will often provide fellowships to, um, to people who have these big ideas. So in the past, um, when I was in South Africa, actually in the Peace Corps, um, I spent some time um, on Ashoka's website and looking at what the people in South Africa were doing. And then I reached out to those people directly, not through Ashoka, but just, um, so there was a a woman who was um, um, working on, you know, more community involvement um, in a township um, outside of Cape Town where they were creating like um, kind of social tourism so that, you know, South Africans um, who had never taken a step, white South Africans never taken a step in a township before could be introduced. And, you know, like the you know, so it's about breaking down boundaries and things like that. And so I met her face-to-face and we had a really amazing conversation and we started that dialogue of how could I help you with your purpose? And um, and so that's what I want you to start, to continue, because you've already started this process, but to, but to really specifically look for those ambitious big thinkers who wanna make a difference in the world. And, um, and reaching out to those individuals, where then you can start having those conversations about, and here's what I can bring to this vision for the ones where you share the same vision. And that's, that's part of this process too, um, is identifying the people that are doing things that you want to be involved in. And so we've talked a little bit about kind of like, disaster relief and humanitarian work. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so again, there are some big organizations, we've got FEMA, we've got red cross, we've got doctors without borders. Um, but there's also, um, at some of the smaller levels, people who are doing really powerful humanitarian work, um, that always need talent. And, um, and so, and especially because you've got a real knack for um, for fundraising, for you know bringing in the resources in unusual ways, and um, with your with your different connections, and you know just thinking about the work that you did in Nepal, um, and so so that is something that I'm really going to encourage you to explore is you know the people who share that same passion and drive that you have because they are out there and they need someone like you, Ronnie.
3: Thank you, Dr. Amstead. I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, so um, so yes, this conversation will will continue. Um, but I love that you you keep getting clarity about what's important to you. And that really is kind of the, the foundation of career design is make sure, that what you do in your job and in your life is important find a way to make that happen.
3: Okay, well, thank you very much for that. I appreciate that. My thank
1: pleasure. you, thank you. And Ronnie, thank you for sharing. You obviously have a very big heart. I know you do and want to give back. And I think Rhonda's advice is just spot on with trying to identify some of the smaller nonprofits. and. Um, you know, who are working in, you know, specific areas, humanitarian, you know, efforts and things and, and get involved in, in some of those perhaps, too. So you'd be a great addition anywhere. So thank you, uh, Rhonda, as always, for your expert advice and guidance to our RPCB listeners. And thank you to our listeners for tuning into this Ask the Career Coach episode of Jobs with Jody. If you have ideas for future topics, please email us. Us at careers at peace corps that's all one word peace corps all right so thank you so much everyone for being here and please make it a great day